Hello friends, this is Akar and you're listening to Ask Akar Anything on Audiomatic. I'm here to answer all of your interesting questions. Record them and send them to me at aaa at audiomatic.in. You can also visit our website audiomatic.in or get in touch through Facebook or Twitter. Hi Akar, I'm Pooja calling from Mumbai. My question to you is, is bonding in relationships going virtual with the introduction of various apps? Yes, it is. It has gone virtual for over a century with the invention of the telephone. Um, now with the Apple Watch, there are sensations that can be passed on to the wearer's wrist and skin. So there is a sensory way of communicating with another person remotely, which we didn't have before. I think the most exciting thing here is the coming of this thing called a headset called the Oculus Rift. And that, I'm told, is coming in the first quarter of 2016. It does virtual reality. It's able to locate the user in an environment which is very different from his own in unrealistic environments, um, like science fiction, underwater, for instance. But there is also a sexual aspect to this. I think a lot of people in the porn industry are looking to use virtual reality and the sensory applications of it in many ways. And I think that we will find that over the next five or 10 years at the most, the way that people communicate will be very different, not just on the side of communicating text and video, but on the side of actually feeling it, sensory stuff. So I think we are in for some exciting times. Hi, Akar. This is Sanjeevan from Nasik. It was Ruskin Boyne's birthday last month. Do you read his books? How do you find him as an author? I do not read his books anymore. Uh, Perhaps I should. I think he's one of the great writers we have. I'll tell you what I mean by great. He's able to use the language easily. No big words, short sentences. His writing style reminds me of another man whom I read in my childhood and in my early youth a lot called Behram Contractor, Busy Bee, um, no longer with us, but wrote in a very similar way, a very conversational manner of writing. Ruskin Bond's work was taught to me in school. I think there was a chapter in our English textbook when I was about 11 called Our House in Dera that I remember quite vividly because of the things that I just told you that it was simple, easy writing and a conversational way of communicating. Is he readable now? I don't know. I think I should go back to his work. I think that there are things that are layered in very good writing, like Arkin Alliance, for instance, that only reveal themselves when you read them at different ages. And I think, uh, given this question, I will go back to some of Bond's work. Hi Akar, I am Pratham from Bombay and I had a question for you. Instead of building fancy airports and freeways, shouldn't we be spending more money on infrastructure, public transport such as local trains or public buses? Do we spend more money on airports just because VIPs seem to use them more often? I don't know if we spend more money on airports than we do on roads. Certainly the number for roads would be about 10 or 12 times more than that uh, we spend on airports and ports and such things. 
should we not spend money at all on airports i think that would be a mistake you need airports airports are no longer just a vip thing if you look at the nature of flying it's primarily the middle class even bits of the lower middle class that that fly these days on work and on holiday so we do need competent airports do we have very luxurious airports i would say no i'm from bangalore and the one we have here is new i think it's quite basic in about 10 or 12 years time it will probably show its age resources is a problem and i think that uh, roads should get priority over airports but public transport in cities is an interesting one i think that when i went to pakistan a few months ago i noticed that in their biggest city karachi they had no public transport there was no government run bus system there was no government run local trains no metro there was no proper taxi service either there was nothing that was running on meters and it was a disaster so i think that it's very true that in a country that's as urbanized as ours is we need to look at more ways of developing public transport that is cheap and that is competent i think the one city that has it right and i think that is a british legacy is calcutta where you can get a hand pulled rickshaw you can get Uh, a tram very cheaply you could get local trains in certain sectors and you can get cabs if that were to be extended particularly the tram bit which i don't think is that expensive to do to our major cities i think it would be a big help rutvij khedkar sends in this email question do you think there is any scope for religion in modern life i found religion to be unconvincing he writes irrational and completely useless in all aspects of my life why am i still surrounded by so many religious people when modern science seems to be incompatible with faith finally are you religious rutvij there is a purpose to religion and that purpose is the long goal to be able to get man to behave morally in this world he needs to be made a promise that there will be something waiting for him in the afterlife as a reward and i think most religions especially the semitic faiths excluding judaism uh, have a heaven or hell to go to and i think part of that is the belief that a moral system doesn't come naturally to man moral values don't come naturally to us as they don't come to animals and to be able to get us to behave faith is needed is it still needed in the modern world i would say yes because the modern world isn't just one thing it's many parts of the globe it's many geographies how does one know how to relate and how to behave with a fellow human being i think that religion is the primary teacher of this when jesus comes to the world he transforms faith in a particular way he transforms what is a essentially a vertical relationship between man and god to a horizontal one man and man love thy neighbor i think that that sort of teaching is masked in the values of faith but is actually quite useful i think that there are great things that faith brings to this world and i don't think it's going to be very soon when such things are no longer needed am i religious no i have stopped praying for a very long time my my mom used to ask me to pray and the last time i think i did it was when i was 17 but coming into adulthood i realized that it had no place for people who are of a particular bent of mind i think if you look at college professors if you look at academics very few of them believe in god because they don't need to the question really is whether the masses do and i think at least in 2015 a lot of them do
question from Veena on email. How can a fair girl win a job? How can Pan Masala help you rule the world? Why would you lose your lover if you have yellow teeth? And many more such examples. Veena from Mumbai. I think silly can be funny. I don't necessarily think that silly is bad. I think the problem with Indian advertising is that it is dumb. And I recognize that I'm saying something sweeping. There might be very fine ads out there. Uh, and there are. I think the Vodafone campaign is pretty good. Some of the Hindi ads, I think, are quite good. And I think there lies the problem. I think that for the most part, big money brands, big money advertising in India goes to agencies whose writers and whose creative people are anglicized and for the most part monolingual. Yes, you have um, exceptions here. Piyush Pandey, Prasun Joshi are people who are bilingual, leaning towards Hindi rather than English and they are very good at what they do. But I think for the most part, you have people in charge of 100, 200 crore rupees worth of advertising money that need to be able to communicate something emotionally. And that I think is something that's best done in the native language, but they don't have the means or the wherewithal to do it because they are very anglicized. That is one problem. I think generally speaking, the quality of execution in India is poorer. That might have to do with budgets. But it is certainly true that where it is silly, it's not really funny and quality overall is quite low. Hi Akka, this is Shrutika from Nagpur and I have a question for you. Public spaces in India are generally disabled unfriendly. Why doesn't it feature as one of the top agendas of this country? For two reasons, I would say. The first is, uh, and this is the minor reason, it's money that to design a public space that is friendly to somebody who's in a wheelchair or cannot see properly. It requires additional expenditure on ramps and such things in a poor country that money is hard to come by. But that I said is the minor reason. The major reason is that our society views disability as a bad thing and we can see that very clearly in the way that we nickname people. In Gujarati for instance there is Kana and Langada and Lula and that sort of thing where the physical disability of the person is remarked upon and made into nomenclature, it is turned into their names. We use Gora and Maldar and Kala as well. So it's something that all of us have. I don't think that any part of India is uh, removed from this kind of bigotry. As long as you see people through their disability and not through their humanity, you will have a problem with um, the handicapped. I think that this is something that will change in India over a very long period of time. If we get the minor things right, perhaps the major things might change. But I think in a country as poor as India, even that will take a really long time, unfortunately. Thank you for listening to Ask Akar Anything on Audiomatic. Keep sending your recorded questions or just email them to me at aaa at audiomatic.in. Do listen to the other shows on audiomatic.in. Audiomatic. You can find us at audiomatic.in or look for our shows on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher.